Hey, hey, everybody, welcome back. I'm so excited for today's episode. I have a really special guest, Paula Shaw. And before I introduce Paula, I am so excited to have her because I know this topic today is really going to land with a lot of people because, you know, I'm always talking about how do we look at our cravings and how do we look at our food as a mirror to our lives? Where are we hurting? Where are we doing things that are not serving us? And sometimes we use food or our food cravings come on because we're really seeking pleasure or there's something in our lives that's just not serving us. And so when people start working with me, all of a sudden they start looking at all the things that are not serving them that maybe they've been doing for five, 10, 20 years and realizing enough is enough. I don't want to do this anymore. And that could also include work. It could include their relationships. It could include what they're, how they're treating themselves, talking to themselves. And it actually is like shaking up the snow globe of their life. And it can feel, it can feel incredibly overwhelming. It can feel chaotic at times, but these pieces really start to fall back together and we can create something in a whole new, beautiful way. And so the work that I do can be that entry point to really seeing what is not serving you and what are the ways it you might be hurting that you may have not really actually looked at before. And so when I met Paula, Paula is a life transitions coach and a grief specialist. And so when I met her, hearing her story and how she works with people and the way that she serves about dealing with these times, it can be very unsettling and knowing where to go. I was like, Paula, I have got to talk with you because so many of the people I work with when they start doing this work, it is like their mind is just exploding. And they're like, wow, my whole (laughs) life just feels like it is in the snow globe right now. And you so beautifully support people throughout their transition. So welcome, Paula. You uh, are, you're a life transitions coach, (laughs) a grief specialist. You're also a best-selling author, a keynote speaker, and a media host on your show, Change It Up Radio. And I know you've been doing this for 25 years, helping people just navigate changes and challenges with stress, using different tools that incorporate the mind and body. And you're the founding member of the Association for Comprehensive Energy Psychology. Yes, I'm one excited. of them. <laughs> I'm, okay, I'm, I'm really excited to dive into what that means a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. And I know you have degrees and you have education and communications from Long Beach State University as a mm-hmm. graduate counseling in grief and addictive disorders from Loyola Marymount mm-hmm. University. And I know you published three books, Chakras, The Magnificent Seven, Grief, When Will This Pain Ever End? And your latest book, Saying the Right Thing When You Don't Know What to Say. So you are full of resources and full of knowledge and wisdom on this topic. I can't wait to dive in with you. Welcome. Oh, thank you. And thank you for that beautiful introduction. Yeah, I want to start (laughs) off just with grief. I know there are a lot of people who are experiencing, we, ex- we all experience grief, right? At some point in our lives, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. how does grief play a role for maybe everyone and where this became like your soul work? Where do you see this show up for us? Mm, that's such an interesting question because it's not like one morning I woke up and went, Ooh, grief. That sounds like a really good positive area to start working in. That'll be fun. (laughs) But what happened actually was I went to a conference. I had done my work to become a certified alcohol and drug abuse counselor. So I was at a conference dealing with addiction. And there was a gentleman named John James who wrote the Grief Recovery Handbook. And he was a former addict. 
and started talking about how grief played such a huge part in addiction. And I, quite honestly, Gina, had never looked at that before that day. But boy, something inside me just resonated so strongly with what he said. And then I started looking at all what we might label as problematic or dysfunctional behavior. And I realized that nearly all of it begins as either a reaction to or a coping mechanism for loss. And whenever we suffer loss, grief is on its way because grief is the normal natural response to loss. So whether that loss is the pain you feel every night when you're watching what goes on in the Ukraine, or whether that loss feels like anxiety over what's happening in our country, you know, or it's a health diagnosis that isn't a good one, you know, wherever that loss comes from, the normal natural response is grief. But as a whole, our society tends to think of grief only in terms of death. Mm. And so a lot of times we're experiencing what really is grief, but we're thinking of it as, well, I'm, I'm just anxious. I'm depressed. I, I don't know why. But what's really happening is you're experiencing one of the many faces of grief because grief is not an emotion. It's a compendium of emotions. Ooh. And that can range from anxiety to anger. There's this whole big compendium of the ways grief shows up for different individuals, because it all depends on what we've experienced in our own lives and how we were acculturated as we were growing up. Wow. Can you explain that a little bit more? Because I, I love what you said there about bringing that to light and how people experience that. Because most people would say, well, I haven't lost a loved one, or maybe you have, but if I haven't, then why would I be feeling this way? And we don't give mm -hmm. ourselves that grace that we might actually be grieving in different aspects in our lives. So can you speak to that a little bit more about being how you grew up and how grief absolutely, there? Absolutely. And in fact, this is an analogy I use in my book, saying the right thing when you don't know what to say. One of the reasons it can be very difficult having a, a helpful, supportive conversation with someone else who's hurting is let's use the example. Let's pretend it's you and me and you're hurting. And when you're hurting, you sob and you cry and you wail because that's what was okay when you were growing up in a family that was more emotional. And let's say I grew up with a family that was more of the stiff upper lip type who take control of themselves or remove themselves from the room if they are not able to be presentable. So now how do I understand you or support you or know what to do to help you when you're wailing and carrying on, which I was taught in my growing up, obviously is not appropriate. And that's why I do the stiff upper lip thing and take myself to my room until I'm more presentable. Mm. So you see, we all grieve. Now, 
and depending on what you experienced. For example, if you had some terrifying experiences in childhood, maybe with an alcoholic dad who would get violent, then when you experience any kind of loss, you might be more prone to go to fear. You might be more prone to, to just try to hang on and hide. You know, we talked fight, flight, or freeze that the amygdala produces. You might be the kind that would freeze. But if you grew up in a different kind of home or maybe one where you actually had to defend your mom when your dad got violent, then you might be more prone to be angry at God and angry at the world and angry at the leaders that are causing the wars and that kind of thing. And that's still an expression of grief. Mm. So one expression of grief could be sadness, depression, going into the closet. And another one could be ready to fight and just screaming at everybody and ready to get out there and denounce whoever's doing what you don't like. But like you said, as adults, we're not supposed to act that way in public, right? So we probably disown that grief. How does that end up manifesting into the relationship with addiction? Oh, really good question. Well, we know that emotions, emotion stands for E, energy in motion. And when that energy is created, ideally, we're supposed to get it out, whether that happens through crying through actual physical activity, running, cycling, something like that, wailing, crying, speaking, yelling, those kinds of things are all ways of dissipating emotion. And if we can't do any of those because it's not appropriate, we push it down. And what most people don't realize is when you push emotion down, it doesn't go away and it takes energy to keep it down. Mm. So that's creating dissonance in the body. That's not a comfortable state. Mm. And usually we're kind of hanging on by our fingernails to keep that emotion down. And God help us if we hear a certain song or smell a certain smell or something and that triggers us and the tears start to come up. Now we gotta fight even harder to keep it down. And that, creates a negative state within the body, whether it makes the body acidic or whether it causes the body to start forming tumors or having intestinal and, and digestive distress or headaches, tense muscles, all of those physiological things can be results of unexpressed, unreconciled grief. Wow. And I think that that's so powerful too, because if we're holding on to these emotions and it creates so much of a charge in our body that we can't even handle the discomfort of what is building up in our body, mm -hmm. it makes a lot of sense that we're going to seek food to bring pleasure inside of our bodies if we can't Absolutely. handle the state of our physical body. Yes. Unless, unless you have learned along the way to seek alcohol or seek mm -hmm. drugs, you know, whatever gave our brain the, I would say, illusion or, or actual experience of de-stressing or relaxing or chillaxing, whatever it was, is what the brain will crave again. Because the, the brain always wants to bring the body to homeostasis. 
And so whatever did that becomes the learned behavior. And now the brain's going to go, oh, I know what to do. I'll have her go get some chocolate or I'll have her go get a glass of wine or smoke a joint or whatever that learning has been in the past. Wow. So how do you even begin to approach that as people are going through these big emotions of grief and it's uncomfortable or they're mm -hmm. even going through a, just a discomforting life transition? Mm -hmm. Where do you even begin? <laughs> That's a great question. I think the first thing is um, I, I really am a believer that knowledge overcomes fear. And as long as fear is in the way, we really can't learn and we really can't change. And so, because we're in that emotional state, you know, yep. we're stuck in, a, in fight, flight or freeze. And so, so teaching people a bit about what's going on in their experience, I think is really important initially. And then along with that, once they have that level of understanding, and I think you and I have this in common in our work, then we can move them to a little more of a calm state that embodies self-care, self-love. And then I think once, once a person is in that physiological state, then everything changes in the body and the, the cravings for those substances that are not helpful, shall we say, those addictive substances or behaviors. Let's remember addictive behaviors are part of this puzzle too. But we cannot let them go if we're in a fight flight state because we gotta we gotta survive. Right. So if we can move out of that state, then we can become choiceful again. But we are not choiceful when we're just trying to hang on by our fingernails, right? We, we, we are not choiceful when we're just trying to survive. And so when I'm working with people, uh, I do a couple of different things. One of the things I'm very delighted with is that back in the early 90s, I did discover the tools of energy psychology. And probably the one most people are familiar with would be meridian tapping where we're tapping the same points that they use in acupuncture mm. while we're focusing on the thing, the negative thing, whether it's something we crave wow. or the awful thing that happened or the trauma that we're dealing with, we tap because it's sort of like we want to be focusing on the negative because that's, think of it as when you're working on your computer. If you type a paragraph and you see a sentence in there you want to change, you can't just hit the delete button. First, you have to highlight which sentence, then you hit the delete button. I like that. That's why when we're doing energy psychology modalities, we focus on the thing we want to get rid of. Can you go, before we move on, can yeah. you go deeper into energy psychology? I, I know I have some listeners here who are like, I am right there with you. I'm all about <laughs> the energy meridians, the tapping, I'm right there. But mm -hmm. I have a lot, what I find is a lot of my clients are, as they start making the connection to all these things that they originally thought were a little bit woo, especially because I'm in San Diego and none of my clients are in San Diego. <laughs> They're all like Midwest and, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, all over the place. And so some of them are like, when they first meet me, they're like, you're, you're kind of weird. You're a little bit woo. You're, you know, doing your meditation thing. But then as they start to understand, there's actually science that backs a lot of mm -hmm. these things 
all of the things that I teach are backed by either my own personal experience or by science. And they're like, oh, this is cool. Like I want to get woo too. So can you go for, (laughs) can we go basic like 101? How does grief relate to energy in our body, which relates to that energy psychology? Can you bring that in full circle? Mm, Absolutely. Great question, Gina. Grief isn't just a mindset. Grief, just think about when you've ever had bad news. You start to shake, you cry, your stomach may go into a knot. You know, there are many different ways grief manifests physiologically. So then we, what we were talking about earlier, when grief manifests mentally, emotionally, that can range from fear to anger, to uh, inability to speak or sleep or focus. Um, There's even a level of grief where people manifest symptomology like the person that they loved who passed away. So there are many ways. I mean, the brain is an amazing organ and the body is so complex and, and incredible. So what we know is that everything is energy, right? Our bodies, our minds, our behaviors, our tears, the seat we're sitting in, you know, it's all particles and waves of energy that are vibrating at different frequencies. So the only reason our hair isn't like our skin is because those particles are vibrating at a different frequency. And so we need to intervene on the frequency if we're going to really create change. Mm. And many things intervene on that frequency. Like I have actually seen a chamber where they're doing, um, oh gosh, what's it called? It's a certain kind of photography. um, And I'm blanking on the name right now, but they can actually see the energy of your aura and of your chakras. And uh, it'll hit me probably two minutes after we're done with the interview, what it's called. But then what they do is they introduce different fragrances and you see the energies change. They introduce different things to eat and you see the colors and the energies change. So we are these mutable beings whose energy is constantly in flow, constantly changing. What happens when we are sad or angry or judging ourselves or grieving, the energy vibration slows down and becomes denser. And that's not the ideal state for the body because when you're meditating or you're in what they call samadhi, your vibration is very high and very fast. You can feel that. You must feel light versus when you're depressed, you feel very heavy. Totally. Totally. And that is really what's going on with the energy. So in energy psychology, what we've known for a long time is talk therapy, in our opinion, is not enough in itself. Because, and I can tell you, the first therapist I ever went to, I said, yeah, but why do I do this? And why do I feel that way? And well, you know, there's a lot of reasons from your childhood, from your experience, but you just got to learn to let it go. And I said, great, how? And they had no answers. Right. But when I'm working with somebody, if we identify a pattern that isn't productive or that they want to get rid of, then we focus on that pattern and maybe we tap 
or maybe we do um, something called ask and receive, working with your biofield. Or maybe we do an actual clearing of the chakras, getting rid of that particular pattern in every chakra. And it's absolutely magical, Gina. And I mean, people are blown away. I've seen people in pain, suddenly not in pain. I've seen a demonstration where a woman was so fearful of rats, she couldn't even speak about them without having physical responses. And by the end of a tapping session, this was with Gary Craig, who invented EFT, uh, she literally, they brought in a cage with a rat in it, and she reached in and pet it and thought it was sweet. So that's the other thing that's so great about energy psychology. Change can happen very quickly. Wow. You don't have to spend 20 years on the couch anymore. Right. And I think that's good news to people in a world that's very busy and where we've all got a lot going on. So you mentioned anywhere from phobias to physical pain. What are things that people would start to get some signs of like my energy is off or what, what are things that they might mm. come to you for things that they might realize that they might have some energy that needs to shift? I think the most apparent energy shift is depression because you, you remember how you used to go to the gym and you used to, but never since that guy broke up with you, all you want to do is curl up and feed a ball, pull the covers over your head. You don't have the energy to run anymore. You don't have the energy to do those things you used to do. And depression can actually be paralyzing because it just slows down that vibration until you feel like you gained a hundred pounds and you have no energy left. Another one that's very apparent is anxiety because we've all heard of panic attacks or some of your listeners may have experienced them. That's very terrifying. I mean, most people think they're having a heart attack or they can't breathe. It's yeah. very physiological, but it's still emotionally based. And usually it happens because some former trauma ha and terrifying experience has been triggered by whatever's going on in the present moment. Yeah. I love that you pointed that out because we, we tend to discredit the connection between how our emotions shift our physical body and play a role in our health. And I think a panic attack mm -hmm. is a great example of that, an yes. emotional trigger that could very well be from the past that is bringing up a present day feeling. And look at how that will control our physical body. I mean, amazing. Oh, totally. And I think that's one of the, the points that I really wanted to make here today. People don't realize, you know, maybe when they get done watching the news at night, they find themselves irritated or they find themselves just feeling totally wiped out or depressed or sad. They were... Um, simultaneously and vicariously experiencing the losses of the people that were featured on the news. Mm. And remember, your brain thinks in pictures. So if you've seen a picture of somebody else dealing with loss, on many levels, your brain doesn't separate that from you. It's like you went through that loss too. I mean, we've all had the experience of watching something sad in a movie or sad on the news. And, and cheering up. Well, why is that? Because the brain owned that as our own experience. Wow. And now we are going through the same pain at, that we would had it actually happened to us. Wow. 
Yeah, I mean, it's pretty incredible. And that's why I caution our listeners, watch what you put into your subconscious mind. Yes, Watch definitely. the programming you watch. You know, be careful what you allow yourself to listen to. Yeah. Because it goes in there and it lives somewhere. That's so true. And I think it's really funny when people start doing this kind of work and they're like, wait a second, I came to you because I want to explore my food and my cravings. And now all of a sudden I don't even <laughs> want to watch, you know, these things on TV anymore that I used to, or, or, or I don't mm-hmm. even want to engage in negative conversations anymore. Or I, yes. go to, I go to work and I don't want to gossip with my coworkers or complain anymore. You start to realize all the negative things that were resonating with your body are no longer resonating anymore. Yes. I'm so glad you said that one because that has happened to me in such a vivid, acute way. I mean, the minute somebody starts in a conversation that has no end except judging somebody else's actions and behavior, I just want to go check, please. (laughs) You know, I just don't want to be there anymore. Yeah. And it's not that I'm this perfect person who never does that, but it's like I almost feel it physiologically, Gina. It's that powerful and that assaulting to me now because I try to keep my vibration at a higher level. So, and I think people who engage in it all the time become numb to the assault, but it's still assaulting them. Yeah. So aside from like TV and conversations, are there other ways that we might want to bring more awareness to how our energy could be shifting or what's no longer serving us? What are other things that we could start Mm. looking for in our lives? Well, I think the music we listen to Mm. and how it feels when we listen to it. I definitely resonate with that one for sure. I look at the the music I used to listen to. Yeah. It was so much more heavy and like angry. I used to listen to like a lot of like rock and roll music that was, uh, (laughs) believe it or not, that was like kind of angry, heavy music. And yeah, that I'm so interesting. You said that. Okay. Carrie, continue on. I have a really hard time with punk when punk music came out and, and rap because so often the themes are angry or the words are ugly, you know, it's it, that even the sound <clears throat> is heavy. Exactly. Not pleasant. Um, movies, you know, like people who are junkies for horror films mm-hmm. or the, these uh, NCI type shows that are all about crime, never about the wonderful things people do. And I got to tell you, last night I, I got home from a, a lovely evening that my rotary group had put on. And I, I just felt like I wanted to just sit for a few minutes and just maybe watch one cheerful TV show. I found this new show. It's called The Hidden Life of Pets. Okay. And it's all these amazing stories about like this dog who parachutes with his <laughs> owner and this parrot who was literally dancing away and had specific moves that they've (laughs) measured. And I mean, I was dying. I was laughing so hard. Now that to me is a good way to end my night. I don't want to watch the late news. I don't want to hear stories about crime because I'm going to go to sleep now and my subconscious is going to take that and use it. And I might have bad dreams all night long. And I can't tell you how many people I know that always watch the 10 o'clock news or yep. the 11 o'clock news before they go to sleep. Yep. So I think it, what, what we read, the books we're reading, the things we're focusing on, 
read some beautiful poetry or some uplifting stories or something that gives you joy before you go to sleep or, or anytime during your or anytime absolutely yes. anytime you know what the, what you're saying is really bringing up for me is i remember working with a client one time and she was saying man i realized that my husband and i always wanted there we were going through a presidential election and she said mm -hmm. we were so stressed we mm -hmm. always wanted to deal with the stress of watching the elections and eat ice cream at the same time. That was the only time uh -huh. we needed ice cream and <laughs> how many people, as they start to shift their relationship to food, they will actually start putting on like soothing music or creating a space of just mm -hmm. creating like this internal residence that resonance that is so much more calm and joyful yes. when they're eating and not associating eating with this stress and intensity. So it mm -hmm. totally reminded me of that when you said, music or what we watch. Yep. And you know, that's actually, it's an interesting point you make that um, when a food becomes associated with a traumatic experience, it also sets you up to develop allergies around it. Mm. I have a friend, uh, Sandy Radomsky is her name, and she's created this work called Allergy Antidotes. And it's fascinating. It's all based on energy work, but she's working with people all over the world. And what she believes happens is that so often in childhood, some food becomes associated with a traumatic experience and the body can tolerate it sometimes never again, or it can tolerate it for a while and a while and a while. And then one day it just hits tilt. And then you have some terrible allergic response to it and it doesn't agree with your body anymore. Mm -hmm. And in her work, what she does is neutralizes the trauma in association with the food and then the allergy doesn't exist anymore. Incredible, that is so cool. <laughs> yeah, it is, it's very, very cool. I have dissociated myself from several substances that I was allergic to. But once I, and sometimes you don't even have to know the trauma. You just have to know something happened in the past that didn't serve me and it no longer serves me to have a negative response to this food and, and you release it. Wow. Yeah. And that's why I think the way you're doing your work is so powerful because you're taking all those pieces into consideration. You're doing the lab work. You're doing the mental emotional work. You're doing the mindfulness. You're helping people get that their food and their eating isn't this isolated thing they do. It's involved with your whole life. Mm -hmm. And that's what my work is really about too. You know, people will often come because they're depressed or they're anxious mm -hmm. or they can't seem to handle this change that's going on in their life. And what we then look at is first the backstory. Like, do you remember the first time you ever felt an earthquake or the first time you ever had someone you love die or that kind of thing. And sometimes people can't remember, but through, I do, I use a lot of muscle checking and muscle testing. Um, we call, um, neuro, neuromuscular feedback. Basically the way that works is when something strengthens your energy field, then your muscle, if I put pressure on somebody's arm, their arm can remain strong. Mm -hmm. But if it does not strengthen their field or it's not harmonious with their vibration, they will go weak. 
And boy, you can learn a lot about what's in the subconscious mind using that little tool. Wow. So I've seen that a lot in the supplement world. Mm -hmm. So interesting. Yes. So you also go into the subconscious and see what is strengthening, what is weakening. Is that right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, like I can test people, like, for example, I had a woman come to me once and I said, so what's going on? And she said, I am just ticked off. I am I'm anxious and I'm just not feeling great. And I just have this talent for attracting every loser out there. <laughs> and I said, you mean your relationships with men? Absolutely. If they're, if they are a loser, if they're abusive to women, if they're um, a narcissist, I'm attracted to him. So I said, gosh, I wonder if you're holding a subconscious belief that you don't deserve to be treated beautifully by a man and respectfully by a man. And she goes, oh my God, no, I wouldn't be holding a belief like that. I do think I deserve to be treated beautifully right. by a man. That's why all these losers are pissing me off. So I said, well, let's just test it. And sure enough, I had her say, I don't deserve to be treated beautifully by a man. And she was as strong as she could be, which is a sign you're holding that belief. It resonates with your body. Whoa. So then we went in and neutralized that belief and got it to the point where then we could install, I know I deserve to be treated beautifully and respectfully by a man. And a couple of months later, she had a great relationship going on. Well, that's the thing, Gina, we don't even know we're putting out if I believe yeah. I don't deserve it. I'm putting out a vibration that I don't deserve it. And a vibrational match is sure to find me. Mm -hmm. So a man who thinks I don't deserve to be treated beautifully is gonna be attracted to me. And there we are. That's what happens. It's all happening on that energetic level. And I think that's happening in health, in everything, not just relationships, but do totally. I deserve to be happy and healthy? Mm -hmm. That Absolutely. worthiness. And sometimes I think we don't even see it. We, we think we're just aware of what's in our conscious mind, which is, of course, I want to be healthier. But exactly. then we have these hidden subconscious. So when people do that muscle testing or really any of the work that they do with you, can they do that virtually? Or do people have to be in person to work with a practitioner? Oh, no, I do it virtually all the time. Really? So oh. muscle testing, you can do that virtually. Totally. And what I do is I would test as proxy for them and I, I let them watch it. So I have them make the statement like, I don't deserve to be treated beautifully by men. And then I stay as proxy for Gina and then I test it. And so they're watching me do it, you know, right? Cause we're probably doing a Zoom session like this or I can do it on the phone if they don't need to see it. Mm -hmm. And then, then we do the, the modality to neutralize it together. And then we retest it to make sure that it's actually weak now. And so then it's neutral. And then it's sort of like this. You have so much energetic space. If there's a negative belief in there, there's no space for anything positive until we remove that. But now we want to put in a positive belief because we don't want to just leave this space open to chance. Mm. We want to put in there what we want. Right. And so like with this woman, then we put in a belief that I deserve to be treated beautifully and respectfully by a man. Mm -hmm. And, and then she was resonating with that instead of the old belief. Wow. And this is the, herein lies the rub. 
most people have no idea that their subconscious holds these beliefs because just like you said consciously you think you believe you deserve to be treated well and but those beliefs are putting out vibration and that's what's really running your life and you don't even know it and you don't get why it keeps happening to you over and over again Wow. It's a huge piece. You just yeah, keep thinking real... that it, it is just your fate, that it just keeps well, happening exactly. again and again. Oh, well, why Bad does luck. it always happen to me? <laughs> and you yes. don't realize it's you who's calling it in. Totally. Totally. And I love that you use that term, calling it in, because we've all heard in spiritual terms that, yeah, somehow I'm calling that in or somehow I'm identifying with that. But we didn't really understand exactly how that was happening. But yes, the subconscious mind retains everything that ever happens to us. And yet the, the thing that's so crazy is it's very easy to remove a belief from the subconscious or neutralize it. But most people don't even realize it's there because they think the conscious mind is running the show. This is only 10% of our mind functioning. The subconscious is like 90% or more. Incredible, huh? Isn't that We think that we're so in control. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mastered this. Yeah. Now I'm on to that. <laughs> but for some reason, I don't know why this happens to me. It's like we got to keep going a little bit deeper than what we're aware of. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why I love the fact that ASEP, the, the Association of Comprehensive Energy Psychology, is a teaching body. It's it regulates these practices and teaches people, trains them how to do them competently and ethically because they're very powerful and they can really help humanity i think that's Um, so important i'm really glad that you brought that up because i know that when these concepts get new to some people we tend to think that sounds like a bunch of spiritual babble you know exactly (laughs) and we actually get to miss the amazing magic of the experience and i and i'm only saying this because i really identify with that my whole life i've been so science that if I don't understand it, I don't believe it to be true. So mm-hmm. I was the one who was growing up like acupuncture can't be real because I don't understand it. Or, you know, I couldn't <laughs> believe and get on board with anything until I understood it. And so mm-hmm. I love that you talk about the education and the training and the integrity behind it. And that yeah. sometimes we don't always understand everything, as, you know, being the, um, the person who is, who is just starting to explore these things. I might not understand anything, everything completely, but as I'm open to these experiences, I watch my life change and get better and Mm -hmm. get better and get better. So Mm -hmm. I value practitioners like you who are so committed to learning and training and living in integrity and truly helping people in in the work that you do. And, And so if this is a new concept to you, let yourself give yourself the gift of being open-minded and playing Mm. in the magic of what can happen (laughs) when we change these beliefs and our energy. And what do you think are some things that people could start doing today just to maybe have more awareness or start shifting the energy that they're living in and experiencing? I love that. I would say number one, stay tuned into your gut because we have all been acculturated to value our intellect way more than our gut or our emotions. But when something doesn't feel right to you, it probably isn't. Either it's not the right people, it's not the right experience, it's not the right food, 
and and your gut will always tell you that so start tuning in to what's happening in your body particularly your gut and be present in your body and be present in this moment mm -hmm. so many of us are back in the past or right. jumping into the future and you know the past is associated with regret too much of the time and the future is associated with anxiety because we don't know what's going to happen only in this present moment right here right now can we be alive in our lives and if we can just stay present we can manage most anything you know even when things are really scary even when stuff comes up you don't know what's going to happen and you can be so much more effective if you're actually present in the moment if i'm into the the fear of the future and then from that place i try to do something right now i'm not very effective because my vibration is not at a level remember we're all about vibration we are more energy than we are matter and if i want good things to happen i have to be at a high vibrational level and if i'm into fear i'm at a low slow dense vibrational level so i'm not a match for the things that I desire to happen. You got to be a match for what you want to create an experience in your life. So one of my favorite teachers says, so if you, you can't paint a happy face on an empty gas tank, but if you're, if what you need, if your bank account's empty and what you need is more money, dance, pet the cat, go outside and smell the roses do anything that raises your vibration it doesn't oh, I have love to be, that doesn't have to be in relation to the the problem just get yourself feeling better <gasps> that i will never forget suggestion. i love that when we were at bottle rock gina i remember yep. like it was yesterday the night you walked into that concert room that we were all at at bottle rock after dark uh -huh. and you were just bouncing <laughs> and dancing and i immediately felt elated just watching you now that would be a great thing for you to do if you were ever starting to feel depressed or scared or upset because yep. your energy was just like booming. It was so beautiful. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's, I'm so receiving that because I feel like that's where my natural essence, like my heart's energy really is. And yes. one of my clients, whenever she's struggling, she's so good now. Like sometimes she would let the heaviness or, or the energy of challenge and struggles really weigh her down. And she's mm -hmm. now gotten to a place where she's like, nope, I'm not doing that. And when she hits a stuck point, she'll put on her favorite song and she'll just dance it out and like yes. reconnect to that oh. aliveness again of, yes, it's hard. It's not a, it's not a avoidance or ignoring our bad feelings. Mm -hmm. It's not a dishonoring our feelings, but it is truly like, no, I am not going to let it pull me down into this depression. I'm going to stay yes. in this space and yes. stay in it and align my vibration and keep going. And that has massively changed her life. I love that. And I tell you, I use that tool all the time. Yeah. The music from the greatest showman. Yeah. Oh my God. Especially that one. This is me. Me too. Ba, I've done ba, ba, so ba, many ba, times. Ba, ba, ba. <laughs> I put that on and it is impossible yeah. for me to feel bad. <laughs> yeah. That one has changed me around so many times. I'm right there with yeah. you. I just high five you on that one. <laughs> Got it. <laughs>
This has been so amazing, Paula. This has been, this has brought such a new, fresh energy here. I know to a lot of people who are listening, who hear me just talk about food, food, food all the time. And it really Mm -hmm. starts internal, right? It starts with us. Mm -hmm. Yes. What we are resonating with, what are we putting out? What are we aligning with? And Mm -hmm. one thing you and I talked about a lot was like, look at where you want to go. If you are riding the bike, don't look at the tree, right? (laughs) Look to where you want to go. And so I really Mm -hmm. appreciated this conversation because I know a lot of people are in a place where they may be grieving over their current situation or Mm -hmm. grieving over the world, or they're in a massive transformation, or a lot of people out there who are feeling the signs. I mean, I've had so many people reach out and say, oh boy, I've been listening to your podcast. I feel like I am about to go into the waves of transition. Here we go. They can be a little bit uncomfortable. I want to say hard, but they can be uncomfortable. Uncomfortable for sure. Yeah. This Mm -hmm. is such a beautiful conversation to give people so much inspiration and wisdom and tips and see the guiding light on how to keep themselves into alignment. If people want to keep learning and going deeper about energy and going through this, what do you suggest is the next step that they take? Well, they may want to look at the website of the Association for Comprehensive Energy Psychology, and that web address is Energy Psych without the E on the end, just P-S-Y-C-H. Uh, psych.org. They can come to my website, paulashaw.com. And there's a lot on that website about that. Mm -hmm. Can you spell Um, all that? Uh, Paula Shaw's S-H-A-W. Yeah. S-H-A-W, right. P-A-U-L-A-S-H-A-W. Dot com is mine. Uh, We've got some amazing shows on my podcast, changeitupradio.com. You know, what I say on the podcast nearly every week is, Humans have a love-hate relationship with change. They need it to keep life interesting and to grow, but they hate the discomfort of the unfamiliar. So the guests that I try to bring onto that show, including yourself, are people who are either change makers, who are trying to make the world a better place, or people who can bring information to help people deal more smoothly and productively with change. Mm -hmm. So that's changeitupradio.com. Um, you might just Google Meridian Tapping and you will see there are many teachers out there uh, that are, Nick Orner is doing it now. It was originated by Gary Craig, who is a personal friend and who I was doing EFT with in the very beginning. So we go way back, but there are a lot of people now who do Meridian Tapping. There are a lot of videos with different topics you can tap on. Um, and then there are many other methods. So that's why I think ASEP is the greatest resource because most of us who have developed methods all relate back to ASEP. And we have a big conference every year. We just had it in May, the week before I met you at Bottle Rock. Mm-hmm. And, and there are great workshops and also trainings that you can sign up for there so that you can learn these methods effectively and competently. It's really important, I think. Awesome. And what about your mm-hmm. books? Is, are those on your website? The books are all available on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, Grief, When Will This Pain Never End is kind of a great, it, it's sort of a compendium of tools, processes, articles that help people deal with grief. It's not a book you have to read cover to cover. Then saying the right thing when you don't know what to say 
is really a guide to how to have a true, supportive, helpful conversation with people who are dealing with emotional pain. And then, of course, Chakras, The Magnificent Seven, that was my first book. And it's all about balancing. Remember, the energy system consists of the chakras, the meridians, and the biofield. So we want to keep all of those in balance to have our energy be optimal. And this book is all about how to keep your chakras balanced. Lots of methods and a basic understanding of what each chakra represents and what it that could be uh, a whole nother podcast episode. The chakras. Yes, yes let's do it. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a whole nother thing we could go into because now yeah. people are like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> you know, <laughs> or, or get the book and dive into that. So anything yeah. else that you want to leave people with to find you or any last? Um, let me think. No, I think polishaw.com is the best place to start, but you know, what I would like to say in conclusion is we're all so good at judging ourselves, at looking at the world negatively. And there's a reason for that. Our brains were actually hardwired to project what could go wrong because that's how we survived when we were primitive man. But a dear friend of mine, Amy Scruggs, has a a song out right now called, What If It All Goes Right? And that's what I encourage everybody to focus on more. It is going to be overcoming your natural hard wiring, but it's taking you in the direction of high vibration. And Gina, I'm going to send that song to you because it's a great one to dance it out to. Send it to me. Positive. What if it all goes right? Send it to me. I would love that. Paula, thank you so much. This has been so amazing. I'll definitely put all of Paula's information in the show notes today where you can find her. And you guys, this has been so awesome. I can't wait to share this with all the world. Um, And I will see you guys next time. Thank you, Gina. Bye.